Hi, I'm Leon Deggs, and you're listening to Man Blues. Today's episode is about pregnancy. So pregnancy for men. (laughs) This is going to be a difficult hat to wear. So my thinking behind it was purely just because I've already done the podcast about what it was like to find out she was pregnant. And I've already done the episode, uh, same episode where I'm talking about how people are very congratulatory towards the woman, very dismissive towards the man. There is an awful lot of cliches that get bounded about when you, as a couple, tell people that you're pregnant. Merely just the fact saying we're pregnant as a couple. Uh, There are some particularly nasty people out there who will remind you that it's the woman who's going through it, don't you know? And nothing to do with the man. But I had some pretty dark things happening in my life at that time. Purely as a result of the fact that my wife was pregnant. And it was difficult to come to terms with because there was nobody to talk to about it, as I've mentioned on that podcast episode. But what I wanted to make clear on in this episode particularly is that it wasn't all tough and there were some nice times and there were some fun times that came out as a result of it inevitably the old cliches will be there because the point of a cliche is that they are true and they you know when my son was born my life was changed irrevocably and that still stands it's still true because he's still one of the first thoughts that you have when something happens or there's a situation arises or just by virtue of me being in a situation that I see that to me feels normal and every day and I don't understand I don't necessarily know how he would cope with that situation were he confronted with it so I thought I'd get through some some sort of stories of things that happened during the pregnancy which highlight that it's not all tough for the guy it is tough as i've explained but it's not all tough so the first story i have is about grapes now i'm the sort of person who thinks that he's quite funny and i've got a very quick brain and i've got a very quick mouth even quicker mouth some argue and that can lead me into trouble but it can also mean that my wife and I we have a lot of fun we have a lot of laughter and we have a lot of jokes she's learned a lot from me and I've learned a lot from her and it's been very mutual and very equal and it's great fun to that end I'm always I don't know there was a thing that Ricky Gervais said in one of his specials where he said that they had a rule in their family that if you thought of something funny you had to say it I've had to fight that urge over the years. Sometimes I've literally just let a a thing trip over my tongue and I think, I should not have said that. It was funny, it was worth it, but not in that situation. So, let me tell you the story about the grapes. (laughs) My wife is lying there on the couch and it's a nice three-seater couch and it's lovely and long and she's got herself all nice and cosy and all she's left me is the the two-seater and the crappy armchair. Uh, which is fine, I've not got a problem with that. She needed to lay down, she needed to be comfortable. She was about seven or eight months pregnant. She was fighting with the hormones. It wasn't a great time, it wasn't a crap time. It was just pregnancy, that, that's what pregnancy is. Anyway, she's lying, she's lying on the sofa, on the couch, and I'm sat in the armchair next to her. Or even at the, I'm not entirely sure where I am. So she's lying on the couch and she looks to me and she says, I really fancy some grapes, would you mind going and getting me some? Now of course I didn't mind going and getting her some, and it was, you know, 
Understandable, she's lying there, she's eight months pregnant, it's very difficult for her to stand up and walk in the kitchen, get what she needs and walk back and sit back down again all comfortable. It's just easier for me, who's more able-bodied at that point, to go and get it for her. So yeah, no problem. I got up, I went into the kitchen, I took one of our little melamine bowls that we have. Um, I think we had stuff already in preparation for having a child because we had these bowls that had all these sort of infant kind of markings on them and whatever, you know, someone had obviously bought us pots of baby cutlery and crockery and so on, great. Went in there, grabbed a handful, a decent handful of grapes in the bowl, walked back into the into the room where she was laying on the sofa and handed it to her. Now, just for the picturing the scene, if you imagine that the sofa she's laying on is running alongside a wall, and because of reasons, whatever, you know, space reasons, we didn't have a lot of room in that pokey little house, we had the armchair right next to it, kind of at a 90 degree angle to it so if you were sat on the sofa with your back against the wall the person sitting in the armchair would be at a 90 degree angle to you facing inwards so you're both looking at the coffee table in the room so she's laying along the wall and if i was to sit in the armchair we'd both be facing the same direction right so i come back in from the kitchen i put the bowl down on the basically in her hand now she looked at me and she looked at the grapes and she looked back at me and she said, did you wash them? And I was thinking, well, no, I didn't because I don't wash grapes. I know people say you should wash fruit. I don't wash fruit. It's not lazy. I just, you know, a little bit of dirt never hurt. So she said, did you wash them? And I was like exasperated to the point of like, are you kidding? I've, I've literally done you a favor. This is what it's like in pregnancy for men. Certainly in my case, may you, you know, your mileage may vary. So she handed me the bowl back and I walked back into the kitchen and I washed them and I made sure they were nice and clean did a lot of scooshing with the hands brought the bowl back but this time remembering the layout of the room I put the bowl down on the arm of the chair that was furthest from her so that she had some effort to make to go and grab the grapes now there's no better way to make you feel like an immediate piece of crap then when you put those bowl, when you put that bowl down on the arm of the chair furthest away from her, all she needed to do was roll over and reach. She would have been able to reach it. No, she broke down in tears because of the hormones. <laughs> we can laugh about it now, but at the time it was like, oh my goodness, I've destroyed her world by putting the grapes on the opposite side of the chair. So I immediately picked the grapes up and I put them back near her and I apologised profusely and she was just in floods of tears and she said, I know you were just trying to be funny, I know you were trying to make a point all through this wall of tears. She was so wet and damp and moist, it was awful. Now, the other thing is, in our bathroom, so here's the, here's the next story, this is the bath story. I'm laughing a lot here and that's probably not fair because these are only funny stories to me. In our bathroom, we had what looked like a sunken bath, but it wasn't. Essentially, it was a built-up sort of um, wooden platform around the side of the bath with three steps to go into it. So, quite precarious, really. There was nothing to hang on to. You climbed up the little three steps, and then you stepped down into the bath, but it looked like a sunken bath. Anyway, so she wanted to have a bath. The, sh the house didn't have a shower. So, yep, have a bath. That's all fine. Obviously, she needed help getting in and out. Anyway... She's getting undressed and she's filling the water and stuff like that. So when she needs to get into the bath, she comes and asks me for help just to hold her hand because she doesn't want to slip, quite obviously. You slip in the bath when you're eight months pregnant, it's not going to end well. So she wanted help getting down into the bath. So I helped her get down into the bath and then she basically said, I'll shout you when I'm done. And she did indeed shout me when she was done. About 40 minutes later, the water started to go cold, but she was nice and clean and what have you, and she'd emptied the bath. So that was mistake number one. 
that she'd emptied all the water out because then suddenly there's no purchase. Anyway, so she'd emptied all the water out and she's struggling to stand up. She ended up on her hands and knees, which is never attractive getting out of the bath anyway. And then she sort of was able to get up on one foot and she's really digging into my shoulder, getting help getting up. And, you know, I'm more or less lifting her out of the bath. She steps up onto the side of the bath, onto the top step that's carpeted. She steps up onto that top step. She's still stark naked. She's asking me to hand her a towel. I'm handing her a towel. So she catches sight of herself in the mirror and she's probably quite surprised by what she sees because she's never seen her body eight months pregnant before. And she genuinely had a moment where she said to me, do you still find me attractive? (sighs) Not proud of this, but as I said, the thought was in my head. I thought I'd best be honest with her. And I said, goodness me, no. You've got breasts like footballs and you scare me because she was was huge. I mean, it, it must have been eight months in, eight and a half months probably. She was ready to drop, ready to pop. She was massive. And when my son was born, he was over four kilos in weight or over nine pounds in weight, whichever way you measure babies in your country. And he was huge. He'd made himself a really nice, comfortable place to sleep and to live. Her breasts had swollen to that to that size because of all the milk and everything. She was, she just, she was frightening. And I didn't want to lie to her because that wouldn't be fair. And later on, I think maybe a couple of weeks after that, um, we're laying in bed and she's rolling over again and, and you know it was a hot night so she's not wearing because you know when you've got a baby growing inside you it's hot everywhere so she ro- rolled over and um, one of her breasts slapped me in the face while I was asleep woke me up and it was like being hit in the face with a football and again she sort of says to me she says oh I'm sorry have I woken you up I said yeah what hit me and she's like my, my breast I was like really it felt like I'd been hit by a bin bag um, again I thought it was funny, she laughed a little bit, but then there was kind of like crying behind the laughter because she thought I didn't find her attractive anymore. And I was like, no, 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 trust me. Once this baby's out and everything goes <laughs> goes back to normal, it'll be fine. It's just at the moment you're scary. You, you're just scary. <laughs> so we found that laughter was an important part of it. And I'll tell you what, it certainly helped me a lot because I found that the things that were going through my mind, as I've mentioned in the previous podcast episode, the things that were going in through my mind during her pregnancy were not fun. They were quite dark thoughts, and it was nice to be able to laugh about it. But I think perhaps the worst one was uh, we lived in a relatively rough area because at the time when you're finding your feet, you can't afford the nice places, nice locations. So the area we lived in was quite rough. And I'll tell you, I'll explain to you how rough it was. Every morning when I woke up and opened the bedroom curtains, I my first thing I did was I looked out the window to check that my car was still there and that it hadn't been broken into because that's kind of the area we lived in so anyway we're sitting at home in the evening one night one one evening we're sat in the living room downstairs and she's reading a book she's not a big fan of spiders and that's quite normal nothing to laugh at there so she gets a bit freaked out she says she thinks she's seen a spider somewhere but she's okay and then about half an hour later she says she's going to bed now remember the area we live in quite rough possibility of being broken into you name it right it's not a great area to live she goes upstairs i'm sat downstairs i hear trudge 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 as she's walking into the room above where i'm sitting because our bedroom is above the living room and i hear this scream and then i hear another really horrible blood curdling scream like right out of a horror film and i'm not a fast guy and i ran up those stairs leaving you know the cartoon dust in my wake um, charged into the bedroom and I found her slipper on the floor in the middle of the carpet 
just behind the bedroom door. She was sat on the edge of the bed and she was visibly shaken by whatever had happened. Now, my thought as I'm running up the stairs was, oh crap, she's rumbled a, a burglar. She, she's rumbled an intruder. She's gone into the bedroom and, been, and she's been shocked and frightened by this guy. So I was running upstairs ready to have a fight with somebody. Um, no, it turns out that what had happened is the spider that she'd seen earlier on in the evening when she was downstairs had been on the back of the book that she'd carried upstairs. So as she turned the book over, she saw the spider, screamed once and thought, oh God, that's that spider. And then she screamed again because the spider ran onto her hand. So she had a proper moment of panic and fear. And I had another proper moment of panic and fear with me thinking, oh Christ, there's a, there's a thing happening. So um, continuing on the stories, um, the night her waters broke, it was... Saturday into a Sunday I think because Match of the Day had been on in the UK and I stayed up till about midnight to watch it but half past one in the morning she woke me up and told me that her waters had broken and I was like no I don't think they have surely they can't have to. and the rec- the advice is to go and have a bath because having a bath will, will tell you whether your contractions have started uh, and whether your water's broken and all the rest of it it'll, it'll tell you whether it's going to happen now um, and it's, no, sorry it wasn't waters broken it was contractions that she had um, she was having a contraction, so the recommendation was to go and have a bath. So at basically half past one in the morning, I'd been asleep for about an hour, uh, and I just said to her, no, you'll be fine, just go and have a bath. Um, and she woke me at about four o'clock in the morning, and she said she'd been sat in the bath for the better part of three hours, give or take. Um, and no, there were definitely contractions, and we definitely need to go. I was like, oh, you're joking. And yeah, okay, cool, let's go. So we ended up driving off to the hospital. And that's a weird one trying to get into the maternity ward at 4.30 in the morning. It took a long time for us to get there. When you consider that there's often an urgency to a mother trying to get into the hospital and the maternity ward, um, they were very... Yeah, they took the time. Anywho, without going through all the detail, baby was born, everything was fine, brought baby home, and then the intensity starts. That's when you've got, when, the, when the baby first enters your house. You've got that serious, intense time where you, you know, you're looking at working out how this baby thing works, working out sleeping patterns, feeding patterns, you name it. It all, it's just intense. In fact, to the point where um, having to go to work was a nice break. So we're figuring all this out, and then my wife suddenly decides, quite rightly, that she would like to fly over to Germany to go and see her family with our brand new child. And she was very brave. I stand by this statement. She was incredibly brave to do that with such a young baby because you you just don't know what could happen on the flight. I mean, equally, let's say I was also brave with this because, you know, when, when you've had that intensity in your house for five months of, you know, you, you're getting in the routine of it, it's quite tricky to let that all go. Not that I didn't trust her. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. So the night before she was due to leave, I had the worst stomach cramps ever. Genuinely thought there was something seriously wrong with me. It turns out I was just worried about the situation, but couldn't vocalize it because, you know, I'm a man. I don't talk about things like that. Hence, man blues. Really bad stomach cramps. I was unable to sleep. I think I got about two hours sleep that night. Terrible. Drove her to the airport with the boy. Anyway, that night, I come back to the house. Or that afternoon, I come back to the house. And it's now very empty. If you can imagine what it's like to have a brand new baby between zero and five months old. It's just, there's constant colour in your life. It's just very colourful. There's always something happening. There's always something needs to be done. There's a routine that you end up slipping into. For example, once the feed's been done, you know exactly what to do to sterilise the bottles, put the bottles over there, get the milk over here, so on and so on. It's all really regimented, and it only works with routine. That's if, if you need any advice about babies, routine is king. They love it, and you will love it. I'm sitting there. I've come home. 
She's gone to the airport. She's texted me to tell me that she's landed and everything's okay. She's at her mother's and there's a couple of photographs floating through the ether. Brilliant, fantastic. The house is suddenly very empty, still in this rough area, okay? And I, this is, uh, so he was born in April, so five months after that, you can imagine, it's, 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 it's decent warm weather time of the year. And I'm in our bathroom, kind of hearing a noise sort of in the house. And I'm thinking, what's that noise? It's like, like someone's walking around. So, you know, suddenly everything gets shut off apart from my super acute hearing. I was, something in the house, something in the house. Then the noise stops and I convince myself it's fine. I'm just, I'm just hearing things and I'm just pretending it because it's a rough area and I'm on my own and blah, blah, blah. There's no colour in my life anymore. I'm just sat in the house on my own. It, it's just my mind playing tricks on me. So, okay. Light off in the bathroom, walk along the corridor, get into the bedroom, push the bedroom door to, curtains closed, lying in bed, roll over to flick the light off in the bedroom, and then I hear this noise, this kind of like scratching and, and kind of, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know today. It's kind of like, um, it's like a pattering. Let me try and demonstrate. I've got a bit of paper here. It's kind of like this. That sort of noise. We had a cardboard box in one end of the room and I heard this kind of pattering noise on the cardboard box. I was thinking, what the? Genuinely sounds like that box in the corner of the room. So the opposite corner to where I'm sleeping. And I said, that definitely, definitely sounds like that box. So I'm starting to get anxious now because I'm thinking, there's something in the room with me in the room I lie there for a little bit longer and I just I think everything's okay because the noise stops and then suddenly again there's definitely definitely something in here so with the slowest of movements the really minimal movements it's almost like you, you wouldn't have registered I was moving at all I reached my arm out of the bed and put my finger on my on switch of my bedside lamp I flick the switch and all hell breaks loose this cat that was in the bedroom, we don't own a cat, in the bedroom, scrabbling around, it suddenly jumps on top of this box and does the fastest run out of the bedroom I've ever seen. Scrabble, scrabble, noise, noise, cat is gone. Meanwhile, I'm screaming like a dervish. I am just uncontrollably het up by what I've seen. I'm standing in bed. <laughs> That's how freaked out I was. I'm standing in the mattress. I've got a little bit of duvet to protect me just in case. But oh my God, that freaked me out so much. Turns out the cat had been climbing in through the bathroom window because some weeks later, I get up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. So I'm sitting down and as I've said, we've got this sunken bath with these three steps and you, your eyes grow accustomed to the dark and I glance over to the steps and, the, and I see something unusual on the middle step and I just think, what the hell's that? What is that? can't tell what it is and as I get up and I'm walking out so I've got the bathroom door shut and I flick the bathroom light on it's the cat fast asleep on the middle step when I turn the light on it panics and leaps straight out of the bathroom window so that's how it was been getting in but oh my god it was it was frightening but those are the sort of like the pregnancy stories that I have that, uh, that I've got plenty more but these are the ones that just jumped out at me as being the interesting stories that happened while she was pregnant so in short the pregnancy, although I did suffer from it, and like I say, if you do listen back to that pregnancy episode where I talk about the things I was going through, the dark thoughts I was having, there were some very light moments and there was a lot of joy that came out of it. Not just the, the, the stereotypical kind of sickly joy of, oh, now my world is complete, my baby's arrived. No, there was genuine joy during that period. Um, I want to say it was, I don't want to say it was 50-50 joy and, and kind of worries, because I think I, I remember the worries more than I remember the joy. Uh, and that's why I'm telling this this sort of these sort of stories now just to remind myself there was a lot of joy in there so i'm leon deggs and my man blues were almost cured by my wife's pregnancy and the fun we had during it thank you for listening
You can get in touch with us here at Man Blues. The email address is manblues at gmx.com. And we're also available on Twitter, which is at manbluesuk. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again. Thanks again.